1-2. Swing and a drive toward right center. Back goes Robert. Back near the stands. That ball is gone. A game-winning home run for Chris Burrell. Can you believe it? Listen to this crowd. Welcome back to the Brotherly Cubs podcast. I'm Zach, joined as always by my brother John. And we've got still zero signings for the Cubs. They are now the last team in the bigs to not have a major league signing. Very frustrating. We're trying to keep some nice spirits here since it's just Christmas. Trying to feel giving and happy and all those good things. Trying to be grateful for what we've got. We've got some good prospects on the team. We've got still a lot of free agents available. And a little bit of news to update everyone on is that Kevin Kiermeyer signed with the Blue Jays in a one-year $10 million deal. And Isaiah Kinnear-Falefa signed on a two-year $15 million deal. And so the Blue Jays have seemed to position themselves away from needing a center fielder, even though Bellinger plays center and first. And just in from John Heyman, the Cubs are now the clear favorites to sign Bellinger this offseason. Just a little bit of lighthearted news for us. John, how are you feeling? Uh, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, about that news? That's got to be... It's better than nothing, right? I mean, they could certainly just pass on Bellinger entirely. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if you look at a half, half full, the glass half full, Bellinger has not signed yet, so that's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. But um, it's becoming more clear that the Cubs path to him is a little bit more clear um you know i would like to sign him for less than 200 million if we can afford it but we'll see are you taking him at the swanson deal a lot of media has focused on that swanson signed for seven i think 177 or 175 last year would you do about the same thing for bellinger considering he play first or in the outfield yeah i think and yeah he has he has the ability to play first base very well. If Mervis can't step in in the next year or so, uh, you could also move him to DH if you really had to. Mm -hmm. uh, and you could also obviously put him in center field if for some reason PCA is just not doing what we want him to do. Yeah. Offensively, defensively, I'm sure PCA will be just fine. I think offensively is. Where there's maybe a little bit of cause for concern, he's still obviously really young. He has a ton of time to really adjust. So I was just looking at some of the ages of these prospects, and it's hard to believe that Brennan Davis is only 24 years old. It seems like he's been in our system forever. Yeah, I mean, definitely since 2019. I think he came up as a 19-year-old, and that might be why he's still young. But yeah, he has been on the radar for at least two to three years now. And unfortunately... He hasn't produced at all, at, at least in the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. Well, I'm going to share, um, we're talking about our thoughts on the 2025 Cubs. So not this year, but next year, as there seems to be more optimism for next year already than this, than this year. So personally, what I have is Bellinger, if we... We're assuming that we sign Bellinger for somewhere, hopefully under 200 million. He signs, he'll be first base. 
Murray's could be a backup. I have Horner at second base. Madrigal is his backup. Um, or vice versa, you could flip Madrigal to third base. And I have Matt Shaw slotting in as the third baseman. Um, slash free agent. I put a free agent here just in case they um, they for some reason want to sign a, you know, make a splashy signing. So and then he would then they would sign Matt Chapman. Sorry, I forgot what I was talking about for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dansby Swanson obviously would be at short. Uh, Ian Happ and left Canario um, platooning with him. Canario hits lefties pretty well. Um, so we could have Canario as a backup there. He could be kind of like the fourth outfielder uh, or Talkman as well. I have PCA in center field. Talkman as his backup. Suzuki. And I have Owen Casey as uh, making his debut in 2025. I think that's pretty safe. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Amaya as a starting catcher. Gomes would be the backup if we're able to re-sign him. Do you know if we signed a one-year, two-year deal on him? Gomes picked up uh, – the Cubs picked up an option on Gomes for 2024, so he'll be a free agent in 2025. Um, so I mean, Cubs also have Pablo Aliendo and Moises Ballesteros at, uh, the, in the minors, upper minors. So I have a feeling if Aliendo uh, is hitting okay or if Ballesteros is catching decently, he's a great hitter. But I think one of those guys could end up being a backup in 2025. So our catching is, it's okay. I mean, Amaya's defense needs a little bit of work, obviously. His hitting is probably about league average. Uh, Steel for pitching. So I have Steel and possibly Burns slotting in as the free agent pitcher of 2025. I think there's, it makes a lot of sense personally. I mean, personally knowing Craig Council. You know, I think Burns would be an obvious fit there. Kate Orton is for sure going to be it by then, I would think, by 2025. Wicks, he's also possible as a fourth starter, and then Tyone. I have Max Free here. I think he's also an option if Atlanta is unable to afford him. So maybe if they go too big on uh, a starting pitcher like Imanaga or Montgomery and if they don't quite have enough money to re-sign him to the contract that he likes, that's a possible option. Bieber, if they trade for Naylor and Bieber and see how it goes with him for this for 2024, they could also re-sign Bieber on a team-friendly deal. Um, I put these five pitchers in red here just because these are free agent pitchers, but I feel like Garrett Cole is going to command a lot of money. And I don't think the Cubs are going to be able to afford him. Max Scherzer is already way past 40. Yeah, um, he'll be 40. Same. Yeah, so, or he'll be 40. Yeah, I think um, I thought on Spotrack that it said uh, uh, at least 40 or 40 point something. Uh, Chris Sale, I mean, there's injury history there. Um, Wheeler and Corbin, those are, I believe Wheeler is... Did he sign the extension already with uh, Philly or no? Uh, he'll be a free agent. So uh, Cole has an option for $36 million. I need to check if that's a – actually, I think it's a player option. So if his market 
some something happens to Garrett Cole. Um, I think he probably will decline his $36 million option given the way the pitching market's gone. So I, I know Cole will be a free agent. Sale, I think, also has a team option, but if, if he's injured, his market may fall below his $20 million option. Wheeler was an unrestricted free agent. And there's a name on there that I'm assuming means Corbin Burns. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and... Yeah, I mean, if you have Patrick Corbin on there, I think he may not be on the Cubs' radar in the next offseason. Yeah, these are kind of like the top five. Top five? Patrick Corbin? No, I mean, besides besides these guys. Yeah, Corbin's... I think Corbin's up there. <laughs> He's not. He has like a five point something ERA, like the last right. few years. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is your opinion that he'll rebound. Um, I think he was he'll really rebound. good in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll rebound personally, but <laughs> he's obviously not in the tier of, you know, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale. Wheeler is obviously up there. Corbin, these are just kind of notable free agents um, that are available in 2025. So not my preference to sign Patrick Corbin, mm-hmm. but he's, it seems like the Cubs are, they're not willing to spend huge contract dollars, you know, on, on, um, you know, someone like I say, like Garrett Cole, who's probably going to decline his option and look to sign a, a bigger deal. Right. I, yeah. I think the Yankees will keep him, but understood yeah, he that could, he could decline his option and then still sign with the Yankees. So yeah. Uh, or maybe the Dodgers while they're at it. So. so that's basically, Oh, and then I have over here, um, Hoskins is a DH. Um, I think he signs for 18 million. That's, I mean, very hopeful for this year and then a player option of 20 million next year. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So he would um, get, you know, 48, maybe it's probably going to be closer to 50 or 60 million. Hoskins, to me, if the Cubs, so right now, again, to backtrack the latest news that Cody Bellinger is a, the Cubs are favored to sign Cody Bellinger. The Cubs adding him to presumably play center for a month or two and then shift over to first. Hoskins being a DH, Hoskins would be a tremendous DH. And having Bellinger again back in that lineup, what the Cubs would be doing in adding Hoskins is, you know, moving Bellinger to first and erasing sort of that Hosmer, Mancini, uh, even having a Mayan Gomes at catcher, taking Barnhart out of the lineup, taking Hosmer, Mancini out of first, out of playing right field for Mancini with Suzuki, right. if Suzuki's fully healthy. The Cubs, um, could also add a left-handed hitting DH like Brandon Belt. And I still love the idea of Bellinger playing somewhere else in the outfield too and the Cubs adding a first baseman. But Hoskins is, to me, I think probably right now the number one DH on the market. Unfortunately, still a Boris client. Hopefully that's all to us. You're talking about... I think it's somewhere around the range of $19 million coming off the books next year with, you know, Mancini, Barnhart. I believe there's an option on Bodie. And then there was another player. So, I mean, that's quite a bit uh, that you could push towards a possible starting pitcher. So if they don't 
they don't feel like they can make an impact signing this year with the money still tied up to those four players, then maybe they they could wait another year and sign Corbin Burns for a pretty decent deal. Yeah. And uh, for the audience, just to get a recap on Corbin Burns and Shane Bieber, both are free, um, not free agent targets, trade targets as well. They could certainly get traded and sign an extension with a, with a team they get traded to. I'm going to take over and share some of the, the good gospel about 2025. Now that we're looking at my, my idea of the 2025 lineup, there's going to be a lot of similarities between our lineups. The one thing I noticed was Suzuki and Casey sharing time in right field. The one thing I was just alluding to, because it kind of got me excited thinking about this, thinking about the free agents, was, hey, what if Bellinger were to play left? I'm not saying... So if the Cubs sign Bellinger to a long-term deal, there's a thought that it'll go over five years, maybe seven years. And if Bellinger is the Cubs' first baseman for the foreseeable future, that would put him as the first baseman potentially all the way until 2030 which means that will be past some of the extensions they signed, like Happ and Horner. That'll, that would be even further out and be sharing time with Dansby Swanson. But if Happ, you know, in left field, if he were to become a free agent, the Cubs let him walk. I love the idea of Bellinger going out to play left, sharing the field with PCA, sharing the field with Casey, look at all those left-handed bats. And then the Cubs going out to sign a first baseman. I'll get to that in just a second. I'm going to run through my lineup, and then I'm going to go through some of my free agent targets to see what it would look like if the Cubs signed a power-hitting first baseman. So the Cubs, at some point in 2025, are definitely going to want PCA to hit leadoff. He's speedy, kind of a traditional leadoff hitter. He is honestly, uh, you know, oh, God, John changed his name to Patrick Corbin Stan. <laughs> <laughs> You're distracting me. No. I'm distracting um, me. <laughs> so PCA has got a really nice blend of, I forgot, I think it was, again, Sam Olber, Locked on Cubs. We talked about him a lot. We listened to his pod all the time. And I believe he compared PCA to sort of, or maybe it was his guest, Lindsey Crosby of Locked on Prospects. But he compared PCA to Michael Harris. And I really liked that comp, a speedy, Good defender, really good on the bases, will steal bags, and can hit for a little bit of power, can slug. So that's going to be a really good leadoff fitter the Cubs will have because they haven't had a good leadoff fitter since Dexter Fowler seven years ago. Hap, I think, would fit into sort of a two-hole or potentially leadoff if PCA doesn't hit right away. Can have those two at the top. Bellinger kind of right in the middle. Lefty power bat would be playing first. Suzuki, and then once he's ready, Owen Casey playing right. Morel DHing, that's temporary, depending on if they trade him or sign another DH down the road. Um, and then Matt Shaw playing third, kind of right in the middle of the lineup towards the bottom, but still a really good hitter so far. Horner and Swanson kind of near the bottom. Who knows? Maybe PCA drops the bottom corners of the top. Swanson, I think, will be in the bottom third at some point especially later in his career, and then Amaya at catcher. The Cubs may just, you know, you can move some of those around, obviously, but Amaya might end up catching uh, and batting ninth next next year, not in 2024, but in 2025. Unfortunately, since the Cubs haven't signed a starting pitcher and Hendricks will likely be walking after 2024, 
the Cubs 2025 rotation looks pretty not astounding. I mean, it looks super uncertain. You can pencil in Justin Steele. I have a placeholder second option there. I'm hoping for Jordan Montgomery, but Shota Imanaga would be a really good top of the rotation arm. And then Cade Horton, I believe, will be in the top three for sure in 2025. I think he'll make his debut in 2024. Jamison Tyone, if he can get back on track, solid number four. And then Wicks and Assad there at the bottom. Wicks could still be a trade piece. Assad, same thing. Your bottom of the order doesn't matter as much as your top of the order for starters. Now, the point of this podcast was to draw a little bit of attention away from this. I want to say it's a failed offseason, yeah, but the slow offseason and to talk about some of the excitement for 2025 and the reason why Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins have said they don't need to win this offseason. They need to put two consecutive good offseasons together, rub them together, make a really good team for the future, hit on a couple big signings a few years in a row. They can start this year, obviously, by signing Bellinger, by getting Montgomery or getting Hoskins, getting some power, getting a starting pitcher. But in 2025, there is going to be a lot of opportunity to add a top of the rotation arm. Again, we talked about Corbin Burns and Shane Bieber, potentially are trade targets. Dylan Cease isn't, uh, he's still technically been mentioned as a trade target for the Cubs. He won't be a free agent in this offseason yet. Max Freed is at the top of the list for the Braves. He's, he'll be a free agent. Zach Wheeler. And then we're talking Scherzer will be 40 years old. I put an age risk here as I looked on Spotrack. Chris Sale is kind of an injury risk, age risk. Rookie Sasuke would be the probably the number one free agent target if he gets posted from the NPB next offseason. He'll obviously have a posting fee that costs additional money on top of his contract. And he's got to be the number one, even though I list him here towards the bottom. I think him, Max Fried, and Zach Wheeler are the top arms, and Corbin Burns is close behind. You can even see Walker Bueller being uh you can interchange any of these guys as a number one. It's incredible. There's practically five number one pitchers on the market in 2025. So the Cubs need to grab one of those. It's just like in 2020, the 2022 to 2023 offseason before they signed Dansby Swanson. The Cubs were looking at, hey, we need to sign one of Turner, Bogarts, Swanson, and Correa. And they did. And so the same thing applies in 2025 for one of those top of the rotation arms. There's also some opportunities here for sort of some older, but veteran closing pitchers. Kenley Jansen is among the best. Craig Kimbrell, he's kind of a meh. I'm not sure if the Cubs would go to him again. Ryan Presley is elite. Joe Kelly is really solid. And then some other elite pitchers that are younger. I shouldn't say younger. Seawold is around 33. But Paul Sewold and Jose Leclerc is among the youngest to be a free agent closing pitcher next offseason. That's money. And right now there are some de- there were some decent arms out there in terms of the bullpen, but nothing compared to 2025. And then in the hitting. So this is exactly what I was talking about with Bellinger playing left field in the future. If you could have Bellinger play left, bear with me now. If Bellinger were to play left, let's say in the near future, 2026, or whenever Hap is gone from the team, and your future was Bellinger playing left, not center, and let's say Pete Alonzo was playing first, 
having Alonzo, Bellinger, and let's say a DH of some kind in the middle of your lineup is incredible. That If the Cubs could do that, if they could make that happen, they would be probably among the best offenses because they'd have some power. They'd have some speed with like Horner and PCA. They could steal bags, get on base. And then you have Matt Shaw, who's kind of an all-around type hitter, power and uh, hitting the gaps and stuff like that. So that's actually really exciting for me to look at that and just see what if they had two or three big sluggers in the lineup that could hit between 30 and 40 home runs. A couple other names here to note, Goldschmidt's going to be 37. I'm not sure if they do a multi-year deal. Alex Bregman would be the best third baseman available next offseason. Jose Altuve is the best second baseman, which I think he'll probably get an extension with Astros. Although it's unsure if they'd be able to get Bregman and Altuve. Glaber Torres, hopefully he could play third. Christian Walker is only 30, going to only be 34 years old. So he would be a very enticing backup option to P. Alonzo if Alonzo got either extended with the Mets or traded or signed elsewhere. And he's Boris Klein. I'm not sure if Walker is a Boris Klein. And last but not least, these last few names, I thought Conforto looked really cool. Blanco was a trade target we've talked about. And Brandon Lau could be a really good option if the Rays feel like they can't afford him. If he could play third base, the Cubs would add lefty power and at the corner playing potentially third or second or even first. So to me, my tiered hitting right here would be let's go for Alonzo. And if not, let's go for Bregman. <laughs> and if not, let's go for Gleyber Torres, maybe Christian Walker. And then last but not least, Brandon Lau, especially if you're looking for left-handed hitting. I think he'd be among... Probably, oh, and I also forgot to mention Juan Soto. He'll probably sign an extension with the Yankees. They gave the hall for him. I think the Yankees will go all out. Um, but if you if you discount Juan Soto on this list, I think Brandon Lau is among the best left-handed left-handed hitting infielders on this list. Any names that sound to you as we go through this massive Spotrek list? <laughs> uh, you know, I think we've mentioned this before we we got onto the Zoom, but uh, Sasaki, Roki Sasaki. I mean, he obviously stands out. He can throw triple digits. Um, he's going to command a decent payday uh, whenever he gets posted. So he's definitely, I mean, I would probably put him, um, again, I forgot to put him on my list, but I'd probably put him ahead of Corbin Burns. So even though he hasn't pitched an inning in Major League Baseball, um, yeah, I would say Sasaki and then Burns. For me yeah um i like bieber but i kind of want to see how he rebounds in 2024 and if you trade for him and he gets familiar with chicago and you know so i mean bieber could be an interesting one especially if they end up packaging class a together i don't think they will i think they'll trade bieber separately but they might combine him with another reliever um, but Class A could get a pretty decent haul anyways, too, by himself. Sure. Yeah, I mean, among this list, it's funny because Shane Bieber won the 2020 Cy Young, but I think he's near the bottom. I maybe put him just ahead of Max Scherzer because he's younger, but he lost a ton of velocity. If you look at Walker Bueller, it's possible the Dodgers let him go. It's also possible they just extend him. So I don't know if I haven't looked up to see really. <laughs> so really what I should have done is I have four columns here for, for my spot track 
free agents in 2025. Column E, so I put an age risk, I put in a note, just a personal note where I thought I put in their position. Column E should really be if they're a Boris client. Because right now, we feel like the market might be held up by Jordan Montgomery being a Boris client, Bellinger is a Boris client, Reese Hoskins is a Boris client, Matt Chapman's a Boris client. If you put that indicator on here, be really curious if you could just filter out Boris clients and see, hey, who is not? And then target those guys because it seems like, I mean, here we are December 28th and Bell, and again, all those names have not signed and it's almost the new year and it's been a very boring off season. And so I'm really hoping that very few of these guys, obviously we know Alonzo is a Boris client. Is Juan Soto a Boris client? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if he ends up going staying with the Yankees, but also it becoming one of these type things where it's late late in the offseason. I mean, we're almost like two full months into the offseason, and so few things have happened. You can almost count them on one hand, I mean, virtually all the big signings on one hand. And But looking ahead, this is a really exciting free agent class. And it gives you a little bit of a break from the doom and gloom online in terms of, there's a couple of things. One, the 2025 free agency class is stacked. Two, the Cubs have essentially a top five prospect list um, right now, top five farm system in MLB right now. So Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline recently put something out, which by the way, he might be a homer. I mean, he's from Chicago or he lives in Chicago. But he did put something out that says he thinks the Cubs will be still among the top farm systems, potentially number one, even with PCA and Kate Horton graduating. He's that high on Matt Shaw. He's yeah. that high on Ballesteros, Ferris, Triantos, Casey, Alcantara, all these. They're stacked in tons of positions. Yeah. Pitching, there's maybe some pause a little bit about the, the prospect pitching the Cubs have. There's There's good pitching, but not a ton at the higher levels. So that's something to where the Cubs could really use, like we talked about, left-handed power. They could use the top of the rotation arm because if you only have Cade Horton coming up, you're going to need at least a few more top of the rotation type arms to pair with him until you until you can definitively say Ben Brown's the top of the rotation arm or who knows who. I mean, I don't think Jordan Wicks is the top of the rotation type guy, but... Other than that, you need left-handed power and you need a couple infielders. You need maybe the corners, right? Third base and first base. If you lock Bellinger down, all you need is a third baseman. And if Shaw ends up playing and dominates, then you're pretty much set. You don't, you know, you can add a DH. You can look at this list of hitting and say, what is the Cubs' biggest need going forward? And it's still going to be a little bit more power. Christian Walker, first base slash DH, or Jordan Lau, Jordan Lowe, however you say his name, Pete yeah. Alonzo. There's so many opportunities for guys to play in the field and DH. Even if you sign Bellinger, you could still add someone else. And then that, if you could be aggressive, you could end up trading Chris Morrell down the road. And that might get you more pitching or something else that you need. But the Cubs still have the same needs they've had for the last couple months. And it'll be interesting to see how, how they fill them or even if they fill them. How many decisions do they make to fill those spots? I thought it was interesting um, that Locked On Cubs had tweeted, their re research team had tweeted, or, or Matt Cozy, I guess he calls them the research, <laughs> research team. 
Uh, last, <laughs> last time the Cubs had signed a Boris client to a multi-year deal was in 2004, which was Greg Maddox. Wow. And he was old at that point. I mean, yeah. He was almost out of the league. So they don't deal with Scott Boris, which, you know, it's not many people want to, but sometimes you got to dip your toes in those waters. Yeah. I mean, the Cubs have done some good things. I listened to a recap recently of the 2023 season. It got me kind of fired up. I felt a little bit better about where they're at. Look, in 2022, they were terrible. In 2023, they were up and down and made a big push to not trade Bellinger and Stroman. Looking back, it's like we'd love to have gotten something for him, but you could still resign Bellinger. You'd love to upgrade from Stroman. So this team is on the is on the up climb. I mean, they've they've made some a little bit of progress at least with the farm with where this team has gone to and hey they didn't sell and so they and they almost made the playoffs and so this next year the goal is to win the central so they really need to just be aggressive but yeah i mean it's it's difficult knowing that there are so many boris clients out in the market right now and that might be why they're stalling and hopefully the season after that is not the same as this offseason because this has been a very dreary offseason where we've just been waiting and waiting for Otani, Yamamoto, waiting for other clients to drop. And this whole Kiermaier business, him signing with the Blue Jays, that's got me a little bit more optimistic that the Cubs could potentially close a deal on Bellinger. I'm not sure when it'll happen, hopefully early next month. Obviously, it won't happen this week. I'm sure we'd hear a little bit more. But if they could sign the, get this deal done in the next week or two, I'd be pretty excited. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's really easy to get pessimistic. Being that there's nothing that's been done besides Craig Council. I mean, there's minor league signings. We mentioned Thomas Pannone over Christmas break <laughs> for me. Uh, for for me, it was my Christmas break. But um, yeah, there's not there's not been a whole lot out there. I, I'd like to take this time real quick, just to give a, a shout out to Jacob Zanola and Melissa on uh, Twitter X. Um, there, her handle is uh, Cubs Girl Talk. I think she's she's been posting and and Jacob has been posting every single day. Like, <laughs> is this is this going to be the day that we finally see something from the Cubs? And it's like, no. Everybody's <laughs> like, no. Sorry. Yeah, we've been sort of again doom scrolling and sort of waiting and waiting and waiting and. I'm when we get to these lulls in the offseason, I like to look at the prospects. Maybe in the near future, if we still don't have any moves to talk about, we could take a little bit of a deeper dive in the prospects. That might be something that's kind of fun to get your optimism up a little bit. It certainly is exciting to think about the sort of the power hitters they have coming up and things like that. But hopefully we get something done pretty soon here because it's really hard, even as a podcast team, to try and figure out topics <laughs> we're digging into the future here <laughs> right sam olber was saying something like that on on twitter about like how it's it, there was a comment or a message to him about if you know do you guys struggle with trying to create content in the off season when there's absolutely nothing going on right now and he's like no i mean we that's our job like we have to you know we have to put out some kind of content and so he did a, a pretty good job kind of like holding it in i think deep down inside he was like yeah this is like ridiculous yeah you know? 
I mean, it's frustrating, but I think eventually we'll get there. Just curious about your thoughts real quick on the Cubs inactivity. Do you feel like after they sign Bellinger, or assuming we sign Bellinger, that that's going to start to kind of steamroll things, at least for the Cubs? I'm going to just say no and just be a little pessimistic because we asked the same question about Otani and then Yamamoto <laughs> and very little has happened Domino since then. There's like an, <laughs> I mean, there's like an 80% concentration rate of, of Boris, of Boris index and in it's free agent class. It's so heavy on Boris that he probably wants everyone to sign in January, February. So I'm going to assume next month is when it all gets done. Cause I don't think guys are going to want a week or two before spring training to still not have a team. They're going to want to figure out logistics of where they're going for spring training and then also where are they temporarily going to be housed or sort of where are they going to be living during the season. So mm-hmm. there's also typically a lot of holdovers anyway in January. So I do believe next month is when it's all going to happen, maybe towards the middle to end. But that's just speculation. And I, I really wish there was a domino to fall, but I don't think that's the case this offseason. Okay. It's sad. I'm sad. Me too. <laughs> We'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been the Cubs, bro, sorry, Brotherly Cubs podcast. And pod number eight. I'm John. And I'm Zach. <laughs> and we will catch you next time.